right, welcome to another episode of Generally Assembled. Uh, again, I am your host, Jason Gottesman, and well, one of your hosts, got another one here too, and I'm Neil Leisure. Hey, all right, everybody, Neil. So, birthday. Yeah, well, it, is, it is, you know, on the advice of, uh, of uh, Jen Fitch, so shout out for shout outs, hey, um, uh, in the communications department, who is a, uh, a, a listener and a, a fan of the podcast, probably a good idea to say what day it is, uh, because we do talk about things that happen all, all the time. We, right. uh, yeah, it's it's uh, you know it's like time is a flat circle here on this podcast. Long time listeners still know first time caller. No, not, no call ins yet. Well, actually, well, somebody just got called. Yeah, well, there's some time. <laughs> probably not about the podcast. <laughs> um, well, uh, Neil, I think it's it's safe to say that we have, as our theme song would say, have entered the danger zone. Crazy, crazy time here with the unveiling of a of a draft congressional map. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's you know it's interesting to see how everyone is suddenly a redistricting expert on Twitter. Yes, you know, especially the same people who decry people being you know medical experts and legal experts. Now they're redistricting experts. Right. It's, uh, well, I mean that's the amazing thing about Twitter. You can be an expert in whatever you want to be an expert in. But uh, especially my, if you have a blue check mark. Yeah. My favorite comment. Um, you know, just for context. You know, there was an open and transparent process. Um, there was a website whereby the public could submit various maps. And uh, the chairman of the state government committee selected a map that was submitted by a, a woman by the name of Amanda Holt. She's a piano teacher from the Lehigh Valley. She's somewhat known. Um, I think she was the original redistricting activist before uh, redistricting activists just became about Democratic districts. She actually sued uh, the Republican legislature at the time in 2011 over the well, state I think it was maps. a legislative reapportionment commission. Yes, she sued. Uh, you're right. Yes. The, the, there was a Republican-controlled legislature, uh, but it was the the, the reapportionment uh, commission. Uh, she sued and was successful in the state Supreme Court. And, you know, one of the big keys to her challenge was the number of municipal splits. And the Supreme Court agreed with her that there, there had to be a reduction in the number of municipal splits. Well, yeah, and it was not even that, but I think it was the fact that actually a citizen could draw the map, uh, which for a long time has sort of been shrouded in, in sort of this uh, opaque process that, you know, nobody really understood. And for the first time, they actually had somebody who said, well, here's actually a different map, a better map. And the Supreme Court goes, yeah, you probably should do better than what you've done, especially if somebody else can make a better one. Right. So the Holt map was not the map that ultimately is the one that the current districts are, but it did force uh, the redrawing of the map. But let's let's be real, since we're talking about congressional maps here, at, at least in the instant, and, and you really hit on it. This is so there's an open and transparent process, the most transparent congressional redistricting process in Pennsylvania history that had uh, 12 hearings, including 10 regional hearings that heard from Pennsylvanians across the Commonwealth about their communities of interest, geographical boundaries, what they want to see in a map, had a website that had the old congressional map where people could comment, a portal where people could comment uh, to the committee on communities of interest, and then also submit their own maps. And then from that transparent process, uh, we selected a citizen's map, and that citizen's map was one of the 19 that were submitted. Uh, and it was chosen because, unlike the other maps, it wasn't a blatant, blatant partisan gerrymander. It wasn't a – there were no splits of, like, major municipalities and, and things like that. And, and it's a starting point. But given all of that, given that it's a citizen's map, given that it was part of an op- the most transparent congressional redistricting process in history, an open and transparent process led by House Republicans, the people kind of dumping on this map show and prove that – it's never been about the citizenry being involved. It's never been about the transparency of the process. It's about the left justifying Democrat gerrymandered maps to give better districts to Democrats. That's right. all they've ever wanted. Right. Uh, that's all that the thing their process they're going through is is now. 
And, and again, this is a starting point. Everybody dumping on this map is just showing their cards and putting their cards on the table for how partisan they actually are and seeking a gerrymandered map that favors the left. Well, and, you know, that transparent process continues, you know, this evening, Thursday evening at 530, depending on what time you listen to this podcast, you can probably go back and watch the hearing on the redistricting website. But Amanda Holt is actually coming in to testify in front of the House State Government Committee to explain what her thought process was as she put her map together. That's the first time you've ever had a map maker come to a hearing and publicly testify about what their thought process was. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and look, it's, it's, it's an ability for people to ask questions about why decisions were made and, and, and look forward to actually making different you know changes going forward. And, and part of that is that there were 10 regional hearings held. Uh, the input from those hearings is not going to be left on the table. I think you'll see some of those changes reflective of the things in those hearings. Um, so a lot of the groundwork for possible changes has already been laid. It's continuing to be laid with uh, the hearing that will be occurring later today and will likely be over by the time people listening to this. But the legwork has already been done in an open, transparent process, and it will continue. There's still the portal still open for people to comment on the internet on this map to submit those comments to the committee and and for people to see what other people are saying about the map. So again, it's a, it's an open and transparent process and it's something that the the people of Pennsylvania should be proud of of what House Republicans have done to to make this, you know, really bring sunshine into this this process. And let's juxtapose that to 2018 when the state Supreme Court hijacked this entire process and just decided they were going to draw the map themselves, right? right? They had a map drawer, I think he was from California, uh-huh. if I'm not mistaken. Um, he was never made available to the press to you know, answer questions as to what his rationale was for decisions that he made in drawing that map. The map was just simply released, and that's it. There was no vote by the General Assembly. There was no democratic process. You know, The Supreme Court just hijacked the process and, in a very untransparent way, drew a map that even the New York Times said could not favor Democrats any better. Yeah. So, you know, that's that. Now, let's go to Krasner Watch. Oh, Krasner. Krasner Watch. Did you see what he said this week? Uh, Well, was he trying to claim that there was no crisis of crime in Philadelphia? Yeah. I've always said to people, you know, when when you have to say there's no crisis of crime, that reminds me of that scene at the end of Animal House where Kevin Bacon's character is standing there going, all is well, remain (laughs) calm. And then the, the, like, crowd of people come and crush him. Or that popular Twitter meme of the dog that's sitting in the burning kitchen. It's yeah. like, all is fine. Yeah, that, that's, that's, this, this is fine. Yeah, this, <laughs> this is, is fine. fine. Yeah, uh, exactly. And actually, as we're recording this, I saw that the governor and the attorney general are going to be holding a press conference in Philadelphia uh, later today, the harmful effects of anti-abortion policies. So uh, I guess whether you're getting murdered before you're born or getting murdered on the streets of Philadelphia from illegal gun use, Democrats are really insistent on making Philadelphia the murder capital of the world. I mean, we're over 520 murders in Philadelphia this year alone. Uh, with still time left. Uh, but there was something interesting that I saw then yesterday in the Philadelphia Inquirer. And I, you know what, I say kudos to him. Former mayor of Philadelphia, Michael Nutter, had a uh, letter to the editor uh, that was in the Philadelphia Inquirer on December 7th, 2021. And in it, he writes, and I just think this sums it up, District Attorney Larry Krasner's recent remarks about whether we are experiencing a crime crisis are some of the worst, most ignorant, and most insulting comments I've ever heard spoken by an elected official. And so I say, you know what, hats off to former Mayor Nutter. Um, I think he hit the nail on the head with this letter to the editor and, and you know, congratulate him. It's for not a letter out. to the editor. It's an op-ed. What's the difference? There is a difference. You know there's a difference. It's a word count difference. Not really. (laughs) It's effort. It's persuasion. It's the profile of the people. Do I have to use AP style in both? I don't know. The newspapers take care of that. That's my <laughs> that's my thing. Yeah. I, but look, I mean, look, it's absolutely true that the crisis in Philadelphia is completely run amok. It's uncontrolled. Uh, Democrats want to make crime legal. 
and they want to they want to decriminalize crime in Philadelphia, and it's just showing how ridiculous this is. When you have to tell tourists uh, you don't have to worry about your safety when you're in Philadelphia, I mean Philadelphia right now uh, almost reminds me of New York in the 1970s, where crime was just rampant. Nobody wants to go there. Uh, the economy was failing, and um, you know there needed to be really significant change in the city. Uh, in order to turn it around. And uh, we're not seeing that the more they keep electing these ultra-liberal far-left progressives that uh, policies are just not working for, for, for really anybody. Um, I tweeted earlier this week, Philadelphia has a crisis of crime. It's got a crisis of leadership and it's got a crisis of failed progressive policies. And they're continuing on with that. But hey, look, right. once again, House Republicans are coming to the rescue because you know what we did this week? Uh, yeah, uh, Representative Martina White is and uh, Representative Craig Williams are reintroducing uh, the legislation that would give Attorney General Josh Shapiro a joint ju jurisdiction in the city of Philadelphia for gun crimes. Um, maybe they'll use it this time. Yeah, he didn't use it the last uh, two years. It was able for him because, hey, you know, instead of actually cracking down on violent crime in Philadelphia, why not just make the political decision to not upset the people on the left in the largest voting block that you'll have in running for governor? You know, it's, but, yeah, but, you know, this is like systemic across the whole country. These liberal cities that are run by Democratic politicians, we're seeing it all across the country. I mean, did you see the story out of San Francisco? I think last week, where there were three uniformed police officers, and the re and, and they went into a restaurant to you know eat lunch, and the restaurant owner refused to serve them, asked them to leave because their their firearms made the staff feel nervous. I mean, they were in their uniforms. Cops carry guns that they're, they're there to protect and serve, um, and instead they were turned away. Well, the result of that was, uh, you know, the restaurant's Yelp page got so flooded with one pay one star reviews that Yelp had to just pull them from their their website altogether. Um, which is a good segue into a new segment that I yeah, thought new of. Yeah, segment. New segment. All right, Jason, I'm going to read you some <laughs> policy proposals, and the name of the segment is PA House Democrats or. All right. So I'm going to read you a policy proposal, and then you have to guess, is this out of San Francisco, or is this a proposal from a PA House Democrat member? Okay, okay? I'm ready for it. I'm All right, ready. right out see. of the gate. Yeah. Banning gas-powered leaf blowers. Uh, oh, am I going to say San Francisco? You got that one right. Is that, uh, that is actually, that, it's not even a proposal. That is actually a new law in the entire state of California. You know, I, 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 these these types of policies come from people who have never actually operated a leaf blower in their entire life. Well, I have an electric-powered leaf blower. I do, too. I, I don't powered. have anything problem, but I don't have a very big property. Although I do wish I had one because I love the sound of the leaf blowers when you start them. Uh, it makes a nice little engine sound. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but think about a landscaper that's doing a big property, but you know, like... Constantly yeah, and then how, how, many, how, many batteries, your... how many batteries are you going to be using exactly. uh, and then throwing away? Yeah, and where later. do you recycle that? We still don't know where to recycle all these batteries. All right, new, new one. <laughs> Making it a summary offense to use your cell phone while pumping gas. Summary offense to use your cell phone while pumping gas. You know, I did see a Mythbusters about this a long time ago that busted the myth of uh, your cell phone igniting the vapors and they said right. it was a myth i don't know that i've so ever since seen a story not, about since it, it's but. not true uh and somebody's trying to solve a problem about it i would say it's house democrats you're right it's actually uh, representative angel cruz from philadelphia and what i find ironic about it is since it's a summary offense they won't even be charging it in the city of philadelphia yeah that's true so you know more more worried about uh, teenagers with a texting addiction than violent gun crime and those tiktoks all right here's another one this it, is an anti-tiktok podcast <laughs> 
a, a proposal to prohibit small plastic bottles in all lodging establishments. And what they're getting at is those little shampoo bottles that you get when you go to a hotel. They want to ban those and require that they put, you know, large pump-filled uh, shampoos in the showers. Yeah. Well, you know what they say, shampoo for my real friends and real poo for my sham friends. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm going to go and say that's a San Francisco policy. No, that's no. actually right here in no, Pennsylvania. Really? No yeah. way. Representative Schusterman um, thinks she knows better. Um, you know, what I find ironic about this is during COVID, a lot of hotels that had the pumps in the shower went back to the single-use bottles because that was easier to ensure that they were sanitized and that they weren't spreading COVID amongst, uh, you know, people that were using these hotel rooms. Well, plus, if you're going to be staying in a hotel room, you might as well be able to take the shampoos with you. You know what? Like... Since you can't take the towels anymore. Right. Yeah, or the robes. Yeah. This is rude. Um, I still take the Bible. Anyway. Um, <laughs> that Bible you, doesn't belong to the hotel. It belongs to the Gideons. Exactly. Well, what I find interesting about this is, you know, like last year, the travel and tourism industry just got decimated in the state due to the Governor Wolf's, you know, shutdowns and, and oppressive orders. And now we've got, you know, nanny state people here in Harrisburg that think they know better and want to micromanage things down to their shampoo distribution. Well, anyway. I, yeah, well, no, no, that's about right. This one's probably too easy because it did make the news, but I just have to, I, I, I got to do it. All right. A proposal to require that all men get a vasectomy after they've had three children or they reach the age of 40. Well, you know, look, let's just say what that really is. That's that's every Democrat's dream, uh, whether you're a uh, Pennsylvania House Democrat or from San Francisco. I'll give you that. Right. It is actually yeah. a proposal from Representative Chris Robb of Philadelphia. Um, I think he, he thought he was making a comment about pro-life issues, but it fell pretty flat. I think we have a couple minutes. We'll talk about Reggie. Um, yeah, some of the stuff we're doing next week. We are back in session next uh, next week. Uh, so top of the list uh, that we could talk about. Actually, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, broadband uh, issues because that's okay. something which, which uh, believe it or not, we do we are pretty hard hitting on this podcast. But this is something in which everybody seems to have an agreement on that we can get broadband uh, out to unserved and underserved areas, and we're going to have. Uh, legislation, House Bill 2071, from Representative Martin Causer, uh, Marty Causer, as he's known around these parts, that would, you know, basically. Uh, oh, by the way, be sure to check out Representative Causer's uh, radio show podcast that you can find here on pahousegop.com slash my podcasts. Uh, Good but, plug. Yeah, that's right. I, I've been in the business for a few weeks. But uh, but no, it, this is it's going to serve, there's going to be an authority within the administration that will serve as a clearinghouse for funding sources and, and regulatory relief and some of that stuff to make sure that, that there's a partner in government to help get this broadband in both rural and urban areas that are unserved and underserved. Uh, believe it or not, there are p places in uh, large cities here in Pennsylvania across the country that don't have access to broadband internet. So, right. Um, I think it's a bipartisan issue. It really is. And so that's something that we're going to be working on next week. Uh, but we have a lot of other good things like saving energy jobs and keeping gas prices as low as humanly possible. You know, talk about crazy policies that Democrats like to enact. Uh, right now, while Joe Biden's inflation uh, is killing uh, Pennsylvania's economy and, and hurting Pennsylvania's uh, pocketbooks at a time when they can least afford it, Tom Wolf just wants to double down on that, enter Pennsylvania in a Reggie all by himself which would increase uh, the tax on Pennsylvania energy bills by about $15 a month uh, and then also kill thousands of energy sector jobs. So, so imagine if you're an energy uh, worker, you're going to lose your job and then you're going to be asked to pay more to heat your home. It's being based on like bad modeling. The original model that DEP built on you know, what the impact of Reggie would be in terms of the cost said that the per allowance fee would be $3.60 over the next eight years. Well, it's currently at $13. I mean, that's three, four hundred percent more than what they originally modeled it at. Yeah. And, and that comes out to about seven hundred fifty million dollars a year. And that is going to be directly impacted on consumers electric bills. 
Yeah, that's it's nuts. Let's just be just just be, and, be straight about it. And look, I mean, it just came out that in Virginia, Virginia joined Reggie last year, and they're already running for the hills. Uh, you know, uh, Governor-elect Yunkin has already announced that he plans to pull uh, Virginia out of Reggie. And I saw an article this morning that that noted that uh, Dominion uh, Power, which is I think the largest utility in Virginia, they filed a rate case with their state regulator. Uh, asking for a doubling of the assessment that they originally projected in order to recover their costs of Reggie. Um, just a couple things more. Uh, voter ID next week, constitutional amendments likely on tap, uh, and uh, maybe House Bill 1800, the Pennsylvania Voting Rights Protection Act, will be coming up again as well. We're so, comfortable shoes, folks. Yeah, it's going to be a long week, not to mention congressional redistricting and, uh, and a whole bunch of other stuff. So buckle up, buttercup. Any yeah. tips, you can send them to Generally Assembled at PAHouseGOP.com. Yeah, and, and next week we're going to be uh, excited to welcome Representative Paul Schemmel uh, to the podcast and, uh, and, and join the, uh, the crew here, and that's going to be very exciting. Uh, all right, well, until next week, I'm Jason. I'm Neil. And this is Generally Assembled. You can find this podcast uh, where all of your favorite PA House GOP podcasts are found uh, at www.pahousegop.com slash my podcast. Until next time, we'll see you.